Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestoninzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe so we can help you master the art of selling. Do relationships matter? You know, in a virtual world where we're selling into a computer screen, one would argue that relationships are now not as important as what they used to be. However, we have seen, we've all experienced the change in dynamic, in the change in work environment. And we've actually, people are now seeking relationships more than ever before. However, people are busy. People are getting busier. Just because we're working from home doesn't mean we're more efficient. People are trying to jam more into their calendars. And the reality is people are protecting their time more than ever before. So why is this important to consider when we're out there prospecting and trying to create new relationships with our prospects and customers? Because the way in which we engage, the experience that we create matters. And regardless of what changes have happened in the world of selling, and people can continue to say, you know, the sales evolution has occurred and the whole way we used to sell has changed. But the reality is in order to help a buyer arrive at a point of decision, there needs to be a level of trust. The buyer must trust the seller. What's really concerning is the gap between buyers and sellers from a trust perspective is getting wider and wider. So it's crucial that our intent the way in which we engage with our prospects and buyers is focused on them. And that's what this week's episode's all about. We've got Laura Jade Harris, better known as LJ, sales pro turned sales leader, turned sales trainer, who works with salespeople to really focus on how to build and deepen the relationships with our prospects. And why, again, this is really important now more than ever before, because things have changed. We are selling in a virtual environment. And even though at some point, and it is creeping back in face-to-face interactions, the virtual sales model is here to stay. Things have changed. Outside sellers are now selling from an inside model. The old model of just drop in, a call, a catch-up, it's no longer relevant. We have to be creating value. We have to be adding value. In order to do that, we've got to build a relationship because ultimately we need to help our customers and prospects choose us. But are your prospects and customers looking for friends immediately? Absolutely not. Again, their days are jam-packed with a whole range of things and they're being a bit more protective with how they spend their time. So what do you do? How do you build those relationships? And again, that's what this episode's all about. So I really hope that you, you take away some of the nuggets so that it can impact the way in which you're thinking about building relationships, how you use the virtual environment, how you use LinkedIn to start conversations and share insight and create awareness about who you are and then progress that conversation offline or maybe you know online, but offline into a Zoom or a Teams or whichever technology you use to talk to buyers today. Revenue operations is much more than words in a job title. It's a movement that is transforming sales, marketing, and customer success teams into high-performing revenue drivers. RingDNA is a recognized Gartner cool vendor that makes RevOps possible by driving improved operational efficiency and revenue capture from sales, marketing, and customer success. Trusted by the top companies across the globe, RingDNA offers a complete sales engagement, conversational intelligence, and revenue intelligence platform for Salesforce customers. Learn how we can transform your results at ringdna.com. 
That's ringdna.com. So enjoy the episode. It's a cracking episode because, you know, again, relationships do matter more than ever before. But in order to do that, you've got to be authentic. You've got to really care about your prospects and you've got to care about the impact and outcomes that are important to your prospects. So welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you very much, Luigi. Yeah, pretty pumped to have you on. Now, for those that don't know you, you prefer to be called LJ. So uh, yeah, welcome to the show, LJ. And just want to dive deep into the topic of EQ. We've got a few topics that we'll discuss today and what sellers can do to improve their relationships with their prospects. But before we get into today's session, we'd love to know a bit more about you and how you started in the world of sales. Absolutely. Look, I, like a lot of people, kind of fell into sales, I guess. I was a marketer for over 10 years. And really, when you think about it, marketing and sales are closely, uh, more closely linked than you'd think. So both are kind of driven to in, insight and excite and engage with, with audience, really, to influence their purchase behavior. So when I moved into sales, I was like, wow, this is more similar than I thought. And I was able to apply a lot more of the marketing practices to that one-to-one relationship. So I then went into sales, fell in love with it, and was able to find ways to do everything that I did in marketing, but also to your point, have that real nurturing relationship. And that's really my favorite part of the role is working with people and understanding people and then being able to help people ultimately. Yeah. Awesome. I love the description you use, the the fundamental (laughs) part of helping. Tell us a bit about some of the roles you had because you sold in the media space for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I started in creative agencies actually. So I started working on on pack promotions and giveaways, really cool. And there was a lot of money and like giving out hummers and, you know, working with the Jim Bean crew and and stuff like that. And then I I moved into PR where it became, it's still a sales role, right? But you were selling stories. So that's where I really honed the art of storytelling and understanding how to uh, equip journalists with information that got my clients visibility in the press. From there, I moved into media and I worked in print media right around the time that Facebook came. So that was certainly a baptism of fire, but I fell in love with media. For me, it's an incredibly exciting industry and even though it's not really tangible, you got to be able to work with some brands and some publishers to do really creative things with messaging. I then moved into experiential. So my job was literally selling air. So I would work with brands to transform uh, you know, a couple of square meters in shopping centers to to bring that alive. And once you've learned that you can sell anything through inspiration, that's when I was like, you know what, I'm going to take what I do and do it to the masses and and help a lot of businesses, predominantly in the tech space, be able to articulate their value and inspire through storytelling and move beyond selling a, a product. Okay, awesome. So you've taken that sort of experience of working across a few different segments to to organizations in helping their salespeople better communicate their message in a way that engages with their buyers. So that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. We'd love to know sort of from, from the role that you're playing now, and especially the fact that we're moving, you know, the virtual world has become, I know that you're in lockdown at the moment. Um, Selling in a virtual world is kind of here to stay, right? We know that there's going to be that hybrid mix you know, what are some of the strategies that you've seen 
successful sellers adopt in the past 12 months that has allowed them to keep that human interaction and that human engagement? Absolutely. Look, I I think the term social distancing has a lot to answer for because I don't think it's social distancing at all. I think it's physical distancing and we've confused the two. I believe you just have to be there for your client and for me, pick up the phone. I'm a big believer in the phone. It's one of my biggest bugbears is the fact that we default to written. You simply cannot build rapport over a text or an email. And that's probably my biggest advice for anybody moving to remote selling. Pick up the phone, keep your voice there, utilize voice messages. Luigi, I know you're a big fan of using them as well. Send video messages, find a way to have you face-to-face despite being physically removed. I'm a big believer in Zooms and videos. I, I, it's made, it's given us a little bit more time, but there is a nuance that you have to think about. You know, we have to work harder to yeah. make sure that tone is pronounced and that you can feel body language through the camera. So just working, you know, I work with customers and clients yeah. to make sure that they understand that and they can maximize that time. But also be really empathetic. Call to add value. Don't just ask for value. And for the love of God, please do not reach out with a direct (laughs) sales pitch on your first outreach on LinkedIn. It's the one thing I think I've seen compounded more than ever is is my inbox is full. It's like, hi, nice to meet you. Buy my stuff. Uh, Please stop doing that. If you're doing that, build a relationship. That's what that platform is for. I've had some really good pitches on the first, right? I've had, I've got a few examples. I've had someone, you know, I think I was a female yeah, and um, that was interesting that I thought my, my, my picture kind of denoted that I wasn't, but this is the one I got on Tuesday at two o'clock in the morning. I need a sponsor. Please send me your email address. <laughs> there we go. Bang. You know what? I, I will take that. I will take that just like I will deposit lots of my money to the Nigerian king that keeps emailing my junk email. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think it's interesting, right? Because, I, 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 you know, there's been a lot of debate around, you know, cold calling, that cold calling is dead. And one of the great things that's come from this pandemic, the data has shown us that actually cold calling has performed better than email channel during the pandemic, Right. But I think what's happened is that there are ways in which you can make a call which are effective and there are ways in which you can make a call that aren't effective, right? It's poor and good and bad practices. I think what's happened is people have migrated to social channels and thinking social selling is the way to go and they're forgetting that the same practices that they might have used in cold calling, they're adopting in in social selling and they're reaching out to prospects without doing any research without right to actually get some time with them. And they're trying to promote their services and just sell features on a social message and wondering why they're not getting engagement. Would love to, from your perspective, again, some of the strategies that you're seeing people execute on social platforms, that's allowing them to create engagement. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in LinkedIn. I've built my business on inbound leads from LinkedIn and I, I'm really passionate about empowering people and just, you know, take, have the bravery, the, the courage to actually build your brand on there and be credible, you know, get your face out there, talk to what you know and build credibility on mass right? LinkedIn is an opportunity for you to actually have one-on-one conversations that are really, really relevant. 
that promote the problem that you solve and do it on scale, right? And then what the, the, the missing part of social selling that I work with organizations on is not to provide their sales team with a script. It's simply not enough to have a look at Sales Navigator and identify the best people. You need to build a relationship, show that you've actually taken the time to understand what they're talking about. You know, you touched on that before. Play the psychographics. If someone's written an article, read it, <laughs> comment on yeah. it, share it. Find ways to add value and to show that you care about somebody else's voice in that space. And once you start to engage and being part of a conversation, once you're demonstrating credibility by content you're putting out, what you're going to find is you're going to become an influencer in that space. Something like 90% of people on social platforms are all voyeurs. So when you think of the 10% of us who actually use that to build credibility, we're capturing all the attention spent right so that's the best yeah. possible way build digital relationships and then migrate it off hey you know we've spoken about xyz a few times i've just seen the article you posted about fin review you mentioned this challenge i've got a couple ideas i want to fly by you how's next wednesday don't use it as a outreach tool there, there are platforms you can use to identify email addresses if that's all you need do that this is a relationship tool and i don't think it's being utilized enough i love you know I love the framework that you use and I use that framework um, all the time, but I just love the digital relationship. Mm. And I love the fact that you've connected the digital and the relationship. There's two words into one is to yeah. say, Hey, this is not, not, I'm just not using it as a platform to kind of stalk you, find mm -hmm. out, you know, who you are and call you. It's about, I want to create a level mm. of relationship first mm. before then migrating that to a point of, you know, a question. So that's really interesting, but oh, you know, and this is something that I want to ask, uh, based on that. So you start the process of engaging with somebody's content. You might respond mm -hmm. to a post, you might share it. Yeah. What do you do when they don't engage back? I'm not interested in it. That's transactional. You see, you're already starting to confuse that with a transactional. That's not a relationship. Relationship takes nurturing as well. You know, what you've got to do is, is have a strategy over a certain amount of time. And also one, you know, there's a lot in social selling about, oh, you know, someone's like my poach. That's, that's a trigger for me to reach out and introduce myself. It's not. You're just becoming in their peripheral. I remember a sales leader many, many moons ago told me, always enter the conversation um, enter any sales conversation already in the prospect's mind. By being visible, you may not um, have the perfect opportunity to pitch your services or your solution then, but you're going to start to be recognized. Now, with familiarity comes contentment, right? So the more familiar you become, suddenly trust is built. Even though it might be a slower burn, what you're going to do is you're going to switch the old way of sales, which is make 50 calls up front and land 10. Social selling, if you build a relationship first, you may have to, you know, have 15 relationships building, but there will be a point where you'll convert every single one of them to a face-to-face -face meeting because you've already established the relationship. You've already built the foundation for rapport. And when you have that face-to-face, -face, you've got enough data at your fingertips and enough, you've demonstrated enough, you know, alignment to be able to maximize that time moving forward. Yeah. There's so much information there to, to see and not even be used to, to, to have people reach out to me without even looking at my website. I just find it absurd and it happens all the time. Don't pitch me SEO. <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, it's interesting, right? But I think, you know, one of the things, and, and, and my listeners will know they've heard this before, 
I'm a big fan of calling it sort of social engagement because I believe, and you know, I've had, I have many of these gurus argue with me that they can have a purely social transaction occur, you know, the, just through chat, et cetera. But I think fundamentally, when I think of the premise of what sales, what a sales professional is all about, it's, and you, you made mention of it when you started, it's about helping. And I believe it's about helping somebody achieve a better outcome. And in some cases, that unrecognized need that we help people see, we can't do that through a chat channel. We need to take that conversation offline mm-hmm. and actually help them see that, you know what, there's a potential problem that I didn't foresee that's preventing me from achieving some of the strategic issues that are important to me. You've helped me see that. You've now created value. So there's already value exchange before I even pay you. And now I'm willing, you've earned the right to earn my business. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I've, I have noticed in, in, in the, and it's probably been around a lot, but I'm seeing it more and more today is that we are forgetting that we've got to earn the right, even inbound leads. Inbound doesn't necessarily mean they're ready to buy. It just means that there's something, there's a part of your message that's resonated with them and it's piqued their interest. Yeah. And so I think that that whole premise of earning the right to buy is something really, really important. And what I like about what you're suggesting is that digital relationship allows you to start that conversation and progress it to a point where you can start to earn that right. So again, I just want to go back a step because I know that you said it's a transaction when somebody doesn't engage, but I think that's what a lot of people, you know, that element of ghosting, you know, deal ghosting, relationship ghosting, it can trigger internal issues for us, right? Mm -hmm. But tell us, have you got any examples of when you've tried to engage with somebody that haven't engaged back? What's some creative ways that you've tried to pique their interest to want to say, you know what, I want to talk to LJ. Something about her is triggering my interest to engage. Yeah. Or or like the the, the biggest one I can say is just be omnipresent as well. And again, I'll come back to utilizing LinkedIn and content as a way to do that. I there's a a in advertising, when you buy and sell media, you buy on what's called reach and frequency, right? How many people do I need to see? That's reach. And how often does my message need to be seen by them? That's frequency. Coca-Cola has the largest reach and frequency or RNF in the world, right? They need to be seen by every consumer on this planet 11 times a day. What happens there is even when a customer does not need a drink, they are front to mind. So by constantly staying present and demonstrating your credibility is what you're able to actually, uh, you might not be able to convert straight away, but you're always going to remain the first to come to mind. It's called front of mind awareness when somebody does need your services as well. So I'm a big believer in that. Remain credible. Don't just tap in when you need it. Understand that your customers' needs are going to be on a different timeline to you. So you have to be empathetic and aware of that in order to trigger it. It's awesome. I just want to pause. You notice I took my notepad out just then, right? That front of mind awareness, I love this because I build my funnels and all that based on this premise. Mm -hmm. But just go back a step, 11 times. So Mm -hmm. can you go, and I know that you've probably got a whole bunch of data based on your 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 experience in this you know the demographic component and stuff what does it actually mean that 11 times per day 
Yeah. It's why you'll find Coca-Cola on everything from vending machines to like fish and chip shops to, you know, the King's Cross sign. You know, you you literally see it everywhere. Coca-Cola, even if you don't drink soft drinks, if you were to survey consumers on the street and go name a soft drink, Coca-Cola would be the front of my, the first to come to mind. That's the power of being consistent in terms of visibility, right? Visibility is viability, even for salespeople. You need to be present because if you're, you know, constantly selling the problem, you, your prospects might not have that problem now. But if you remain front of mind talking about those problems, there will be a point where they're front of mind. Oh, I think I have an issue here. I'm going to call Luigi. I've heard him talk about it. I've grown my business like that. So that's why if you are on LinkedIn, you'll see my face. All day, every day. Yeah, that's, that's the reason. I want to in front of mind so that when someone goes, I think I have a, a sales challenge, they'll go LJ and it works. Yeah, awesome. I love that. That's going to be your caption, by the way. <laughs> Visibility, ability, right? I just love that. And I think there's a lot to take away from that that can be applied across everything. So this is not just about advertising and, and creating a brand connection with people to yeah. recognize. I think one of the biggest challenges that a lot of salespeople have is that element of consistency, mm. you know, is just being consistent and it's not about going away. I'm going to do, you know, volume. I'm just going to do a small amount and I'm going to do it well every single day. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, I have, I see your content all the time, you know, and you are consistent. And I think whether you're prospecting, got to be consistent. You can't do it one day and then break for two weeks and do it again and then go, you know, shit, this doesn't work. It's got to be consistent. And so for me, the takeaway from that is in order to get that visibility so it's viable, I've just got to be consistent and we can we can approach it across the, the whole parts of the sales process. So you know, I really like the conversation that we're having today because we're talking about building digital relationships, moving those digital relationships into that human element, being consistent, so not focusing on the transactional type of, well, they're not engaging with me first, but I'm just going to be consistent to demonstrate value, to demonstrate capability so that when it becomes top of mind for them, they'll recognize yeah. somebody that can help them, which is fantastic. Tell us a bit about sort of, cause you focus on that EQ, that emotional intelligence side of selling, right? Mm -hmm. And why do we need to focus on that to elevate the relationship with our customers? I'm look, I'm a big believer in that sales is nothing more than a series of successful conversations, which is why EQ mm. sales, which is my, business is really focused on having better business conversations because you can have all the tools, all the brochures, everything that, but if you can't have a conversation with someone and sales is a bit of a bugger for sort of always um, equipping people with what to say, yeah. we really don't equip people with how to respond and how to really truly listen. And sales is can be simple, simple in that it's Ask the right questions to your point about a value exchange. You know, asking the right questions mm. is how you gain that value, right? So if you're not asking the right questions, then of course, no one's going to share what is very often vulnerable information about something that's not working, right? You have mm. to earn the right to, to get that and build trust in order to get someone to open up. But then once you've got that information, if you if you know how to effectively frame information, how to communicate value in a way that triggers interest and pain points, then that essentially is all sales is. So for me, emotional intelligence is really about removing yourself 
from the scenario and, and really putting yourself in the buyer's shoes. You know, you made a comment earlier about being ghosted and, and saying, well, they're not coming back to me. You know, that's a big problem because we're always just thinking of ourselves in a sales transaction. If they're not coming back to me, that's not for me to think of. You have to think, what am I not adding value here? What what can I do better to add value? Not, oh, well, they're, they're not interested, so I'm going to put it elsewhere. You know, you, you need seven, eight times, I think, somewhat is the average in terms of, of connecting as well. And we see so much say and pray and LinkedIn, it'll sit there permanently. I've seen so many, I've got certain amount of emails um, that outreach, outreach, and I've not responded. I just think surely they're looking at that and someone's thinking, that's awkward. You've got to stop and think, if it's a no, it's probably a request for more relevant information. Yeah, it is a very interesting topic. You know, I coach somebody in Canada, very, very high performer selling IBMI applications. I just spoke to him today, actually, about just about one of his sequences. And he said, you know, I had nine combos. Just for those of my listeners know, a combo is at least three touch points. Yeah. So that's nine times he reached out, which one would argue is quite a lot. Now, the last one, he actually put, you know, good luck as a subject line and said, hey, you know, there was a little bit of customization, personalization. And she actually responded to that last one. And I think, you know, what you've just demonstrated there is, is be thoughtful about the message that we put over and not make us the center. We're not the hero of mm. that conversation thread. You know, it's not about us. And we've got to flip that. And I love what you said. The buyer is at the center of what we do. Because if we design our communication, our strategy, our engagement around the buyer, then we're constantly trying to elevate and think, okay, what is it that I can do that'll help that person? And my mm. message at some point will resonate or it won't. If it doesn't, I can only do one thing. Assess to find out why and ask the question. I do that. Hey, Mr. CRO, do you mind sharing with me what part of my message hasn't resonated? And some will give you feedback Absolutely. and say, you know what? This is not on point for me. This is not top of mind. Great. You know, I can, I can now update my buyer persona and put more relevant information. So I really, really, really sort of resonate with what you're saying there. But and I also resonate with the fact that, you know, how to respond and how to actually accept the information that's coming to me and using that as a mechanism to further understand more. So... You know, what can somebody mm. do? Somebody's listening to this going, you know, holy shit, I've just had a few aha moments. I'm in the sales call. I'm, I'm you know, completely focused on me. Respond whenever I can. Mm -hmm. How do I stop and shift yep. that focus to be more consultative? I'd say, well, there's a couple of things that I do. I hero a lot of self-awareness. So self-awareness is one of the, uh, is a key attribute of, of having EQ. And you touched on it before as well. Not enough people ask yeah. for how did I miss the mark? And I think that's really, really important. I'm a big believer in also um, mm. recording sales conversations. So asking for permission, hey, I'm really hero self-awareness. I want to get better. I understand I have shortfalls in some of the way that I hear and listen because I've trained to always want to talk about what I want to talk about. And I'm really open about that. And for the most part, you'll find people are really open to allowing someone to yeah. develop themselves in that way. So my first thing is um, ask to, to, to record a conversation. You'll start to see objectively immediately where you can have improvements. So you'll start to see patterns. Some of the most common that I see in my coaching is 
responding to it and then sort of and then immediately changing the subject you know if you want to take the conversation one way but your buyer wants to take it this way you have to be okay going that way but also be cognizant how to get it back and that's how you control a conversation and you control a conversation by having the conversation that your audience wants to have in a way that you know you can always bring it back to yourself so for me also just record yourself um call yourself and leave a voicemail do that every day. Make notes and, and, you know, build incremental improvements. Do you have a strong value proposition? Do you Are you mm. leaving it open or have you committed to follow up yourself? Simple things like that make a lot of difference. Everyone's so hesitant to want to see themselves. I mean, you and I are kind of old-hatted and now we hear our voice and see our face more than we'd like to admit. And it is really uncomfortable at the start, but it is the best growth tool you'll ever have is seeing your blind spots. I... Uh... I've done a mutual connection with you for Megan, Megan in New York. She is an incredible enablement professional and we're, we're working on an opportunity together. And, and uh, we had the discovery call last night at about midnight my time. So it was quite late, but uh, wow. last week though, she already had her pre-call planner. So for sales professionals, this is going, I shouldn't role play. I've been doing this a while. I don't need my pre-call planner. She was awesome. So pre-call planner was done. She kind of did her research, hypothesized some questions, thought about their answers, took some of the intel that she already had. And it was awesome watching her in action. And we're in the session last yeah. night and she's got, you know, six key stakeholder. I mean, this is a billion dollar company, right? So it was yeah. awesome. And then seeing ask those discovery questions, allowing the prospect to go down the path, drill down and then bring it back and having robust conversation and it wasn't yeah. always a line. There was a little bit of, no, that's not correct. Fantastic. Tell me why. Great. Bring it back. Yeah. And then at the conclusion of that call, it was fantastic, committed to next steps. I'm going to go away, do X. You're going to go do away X. It was actually watching it insanely good, right? And I think yeah. that comes from practice. And I often say, you know, being confident in selling comes from being competent. And the only way you can become competent is if you practice. And what you're talking about there is be, be comfortable getting on camera. I hated getting on camera first. Now I do it. I'm sick of seeing myself on camera, but I do it, right? <laughs> Role-playing. I role-play all the time, my cold calls, the way I structure my emails, reading my emails. I think that is what allows the 1% to be that 1% because they're prepared to practice okay. and, and you know, really become that, that, that professional like a like an athlete would so absolutely love the concept that you've been sharing with us today so lj just for our listeners who would love to sort of engage with you further where can they find your content i know you mentioned linkedin and we'll put your uh, linkedin handle yeah. but where else can they find and engage with you yeah you can predominantly linkedin's the biggest channel for me at the moment there's a youtube channel but it all come on linkedin if you're a rep um that's certainly the space to find me lots of exciting things happening there i'm, I'm i love what i do so it's very easy for me to talk about and once i got off the, over the fear of putting my face on camera it's the best thing i ever did and my biggest takeaway is for anyone who is remote selling get comfortable yeah. with that start to build your brand because it's going to make that outreach so much easier for you even you know if you want to you know it's still somewhat of a warm outreach but at least mm-hmm. people will know who you are when you do slip into their dms and they know that you have credibility and you've been able to demonstrate so they already know what they're in for that's my biggest advice after all it's just- you know, people, we think about our ourselves more than other people do. So once you realise that no one really cares, <laughs> except for those that really matter or could be beneficial to you, then you'll find the value in it.
Awesome, LJ. Well, look, appreciate the content you're sharing and your commitment to helping our community, our sales community, be the best they can be. And I want to thank you for coming on the Sales IQ podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.